going through. Last night, I was talking with a friend of mine who's not a believer in Jesus, and he asked me, where is God in the coronavirus pandemic? And I told him, I said, well, you know, God created this earth perfect and beautiful, and it still is beautiful. I mean, it's still amazing, this, this earth that he's made. Uh, and yet, originally, there was no viruses. There was no death. There was no human suffering. And, and, um, and, and God created this place for us to, for mankind to walk with him and to know him perfectly. Uh, and yet, our sin brought this on. We, we sinned in Adam, and God cursed that's where it came from, the curse. And so we live in a fallen world. I said, is God sovereign over this? Yes, he is. Does he want us to do all in our power to stem the tide of this pandemic? Yes, he does. Uh, do I believe that he is rooting for and should we be rooting for and doing all in our power to support researchers who are f- looking for a, a cure, uh, a vaccine Absolutely. Should we be praying for those who are sick? Should we be weeping with those who weep? And does God even weep with them? Yes, I believe he does. And I told my friend that should I get this and should I find myself on a ventilator, um, I don't have to fear death. Now, I will do all in my power to get every breath I can because God has created in us a right desire for life, to pursue life. But ultimately, that moment of my last breath has already been ordained by God. And so my hope isn't ultimately in a vaccine or a ventilator. My hope is in Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins and will one day return and create a new heaven and a new earth for us to dwell with him for eternity, a return to Eden, and that there will be no more virus as well as no more death or suffering so that's where my hope is and he listened respectfully and then issued a challenge (laughs) that I knew he was going to issue but you know I was thinking about my answer and I'm sure I could have done a better job in explaining how God is even with us uh, for those who know him he is with us as we suffer and I, I didn't really get into that my mind didn't go there but it is possible to even be struggling for breath and, um, and, and yet experiencing his presence, I believe, in a way that brings more peace than anything we've even experienced yet in our lives. I believe that. Okay, I didn't get into that, so I could have done a better job on that point. But, you know, I got to thinking after our conversation, you know, God does not sneeze at sin. He takes my sin your sin, our sin, very seriously. So seriously that because of our sin, he cursed the earth. Now that doesn't mean God is dispassionate about our suffering. He is not dispassionate about our sin, but the Bible tells us that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It also tells us that the death of his saints are precious in his eyes. Remember that Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. So God suffers 
with his creation and with his people. And we're going to look at that later in this sermon a bit. But our sin must be a huge deal to God because this pandemic is indeed bringing serious suffering. And we need to be realistic and honest about that. Yesterday, there were 1,331 deaths in our own country. And with the current projections, our experts tell us that more people will die of this virus in the next two to three weeks than the number of people who died of the flu all of last year. CDC tells us that that was about 34,000 people. The experts are now telling us that we should be prepared for the equivalent or more deaths of Americans from this pandemic than the number of Americans who died in World War I. That includes both those who died in battle and those who died of, of illness. And there were a lot of soldiers who actually died of the flu um, in World War I. Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Corona Task Force explained current projections show right now 100,000 to 240,000 deaths in our country with the measures that we are currently taking. Um, without mitigation, meaning if, if we didn't have the schools shut down, people working from home, uh, all the social distancing measures, right, that are necessary right now, uh, they calculate that it would be somewhere between 1.5 million and 2.2 million deaths. So it's a big deal. Uh, it is a big deal. And I, I tell you, I, I, um, I, I really feel for our high school seniors right now, you know, um, who have had their senior years disrupted and their sports programs canceled and, and our college students who had a lot going on and suddenly find themselves at home. Uh, I, I, I sympathize with all the moms right now who are homeschooling who weren't planning on it. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, all the folks who are finding themselves out of work or aren't sure what their employment's going to look like in the next couple of weeks. And certainly, um, boy, the families right now who are struggling actually with this virus and, of course, those who are mourning and grieving the, the already loss of, of, of life. Um, but I want to just say that, you know, one of the biggest struggles for me has been um, in, in just figuring out how to do this social distancing thing. Uh, it seems very unnatural to keep six feet away from other people. I feel like I'm almost rejecting people. I know you struggle with it. But let me just tell you that that is the, it is what our, not only our governing authorities are telling us to do right now, but that is a God-ordained way right now for us to try to save lives. Um, so thank you for struggling to do the right thing. And that is the difference truly between thousands and, and what they're saying are millions of deaths in our country. So let's, continue to do the right thing, but this is a, a big deal, what's going on. On Tuesday, President Trump warned us about the difficulty of the next few weeks ahead. He said, our country is in the midst of a great national trial unlike any we have faced before. We're at war with a deadly virus. Success in this fight will require the full absolute measure of our collective strength, love, and devotion. Now, is God sovereign over all of this? Yes, he is. And there are lessons to be learned in the storm. There are lessons to be learned in the pandemic. And we've already talked about faith over fear. And we're going to talk about that again a little bit here at the end of the sermon. We've 
learned and are learning about the importance of putting the common good over our own. You know, uh, voluntarily accepting restrictions. Now, some of the restrictions we, we haven't had a choice about, right? I mean, we have an order that our governor placed to try to preserve life. Um, our president has laid out directives for us as a, as a nation during this time. Um, but even some of the decisions that we make every day to even curb some of our own freedoms right now are not about walking in fear. They're about walking in love, trying to truly save lives around us. And so that is something that, that is a lesson to be learned, the importance of, of truly loving your neighbor as yourself and even prioritizing the common good over self. Last week, we talked about the church, about here in a, in a hard time, and I tell you, I miss you a lot this morning. Um, I, I stood as one of two guys, Billy was with me, but pr- appropriately distanced, right? In the congregation, worshiping the Lord, imagining having all of you here with me in the room, but knowing that you were in your homes worshiping our Christ. And so we were worshiping him together. And we talked about that, about the importance right now of remembering that this building is not the church. We are the church. And so even in our homes, and even as we've been seeing, uh, it seems like every week we're having to limit ourselves more in our interactions and in our distancing and in our freedom even of of movement, so to speak. Um, But even as we are spending more time at home, we are to be the church, to be people of prayer for one another and to reach out and encourage one another and to, to look for ways to serve those who are, are hurting. So that is certainly a lesson uh, that, that we don't come to church. God would have us be the church. But perhaps another lesson that I think God would have us focus on this morning is truly the seriousness of our sin. You know, coronavirus is a living picture for us of sin. Think about it. In Genesis chapter 2, we see God giving man life. When he breathed the spirit of life into Adam's lungs. That was a gift. It was the breath of life. Now contrast that with this virus that actually attacks the spirit of life going after the lower respiratory tract, right? Going after the lungs. And so when we, when we look at the virus, I just want you, as, you, as, you, as you're hearing about it, and, and I, again, I hope that you will ultimately look up and see God and his goodness during this time, okay? But as you hear about this virus, be reminded that God takes our sin very seriously. Don't ever sneeze at sin. Most of us at some point minimize our sin. So let this, be, let, let this terrible virus be a reminder to you of how horrific your sin truly is. How very serious it is before a holy God. Once we understand the horror of our sin, we're able to realize the true beauty of the cure. We long, all of us right now are longing for a vaccine against COVID-19. Frankly, we're longing for any good news, right? Any good news that maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a drug like Corquin, maybe there's something else that could potentially help. We're just eager because there's a lot of bad news right now, okay? We're eager for any good news. Well, the truth is, brothers and sisters, there is good news 
for a much bigger need that this world has and that all of us have. And it is what we Christians call the gospel, which is summarized in verse 1 of our text. So if, you, if you're not there, or if you lost your place, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And here, the good news for the person who understands the horror of their sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? No condemnation. That's the title of this message. No condemnation. Well, it means three things according to our text this morning. And the very first is forgiveness. And we see that right in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness from God for our sin. Now, Note here that this forgiveness is not for everyone. It doesn't say here there is therefore now no condemnation for all human beings. It says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here are the words of the gospel recorded by John. In John chapter 3 verse 16 through 18 we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that is is the greatest news. That is far greater news. And I'm going to rejoice one day if we hear that that um, some kind of a vaccine has been um, created that's bomb-proof. I mean, that that will be great rejoicing for that. But that, that is nothing compared to what I just read. Eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So no condemnation is for those who are in Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean to be in Jesus Christ. It means to confess your sins to God and to put your trust in Christ alone. It means that your ultimate and greatest hope is indeed in Christ alone. Not in a vaccine so that you can just get your old lives back, right? Our hope is in something infinitely greater than that. That is eternal life. Last week we sung a song, and I just want to read the words. And I pray that these words are true for your heart. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh. Here's the words of the gospel. Fullness of God and helpless babe. 
This gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light by the world of darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave, he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. So, so wherever you are today, I pray that those words would be true for you. Whether you're feeling great and you're even enjoying maybe a little more time with your family than you normally get. And you're going out there and you're running five miles a day. Or whether you're battling cancer. Or whether you're battling the coronavirus. Or whether you will battle the coronavirus. I pray that these words can be in your heart such that you can rejoice. Such that you can truly rejoice. And that fear will have no power on you. That's what it means to be in Christ. Well, no condemnation means the forgiveness of God. God put your sin on Christ. God put Christ's righteousness on you. And instead of condemning you, God delights in you. Christian, maybe you've been walking under a heavy load. If that's true, it's time to let that burden go. Maybe you have a hard time looking yourself in the eye in the bathroom mirror because of habitual sin that you battle but seem to give in to. Or maybe it's something that you did long ago that you just have never been able to fully forgive yourself for. And so maybe like Pilgrim, you have a big burden, you know, a backpack full of stones tied to your back. And if that's you, listen to these words of Jesus Christ. And then I want you to think about what is reality? Is it how I feel or is it what God says? Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He can say that Because he took that burden on his shoulders when he hung on the cross and he paid the price that God demanded for your sin. And so he offers forgiveness. And when he says clean, forgiven, no condemnation, that is ultimate truth. So come back to that. Write that verse on your bathroom mirror if you must. No condemnation. Theologian F.F. Bruce wrote, there is no reason why those who are in Christ Jesus should go on doing penal servitude as though they had never been pardoned and liberated from this prison house of sin. You know, the flesh wants to think, I've got to do somehow more good than bad. Somehow I've got to make up for what I did and tip that balance of that scale. The thing is, you can't because you're going against a a holiness standard that God has but Christ has done it for you you know our enemy the devil is a liar he he first of all tempts the Christian to sin 
And then he turns and accuses the Christian of that very sin. How can you do that? Fill in the blank and call yourself a Christian, he asks. So brother or sister, if you're feeling defeated or even just tired spiritually, believe these words. No condemnation. Psalm 103.12 says, For as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So no condemnation means forgiveness. It also means freedom. Look at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, it can be confusing sometimes when we see that word law written by Paul because sometimes he means different things by it, okay? So what does he mean here in verse 2? I actually think in verse 3 when he uses the word law, he's talking about the moral law of God, even as is contained in the Mosaic law. But here, verse 2, he says, the, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. So what does law mean? I, I think in verse 2 it means principle. Pastor Kent Hughes explains here. He says, here law carries the idea of principle. You are under the old principle of sin and death, but that has been transcended by the new principle of life in Christ. So you are free. The old principle showed us our sin, stirred up our sin so that we sinned even more, and then brought us to condemnation. But the new principle liberates us. Death has been replaced with life, with freedom. Remember in Romans chapter 6 how Paul was writing to many people who had actually been bondservants, right? Or even had been bondservants. People who had been in slavery and understood what that meant. And, and you know, we in our life experience have never maybe been actual slaves. And so maybe we haven't been able to fully appreciate the word freedom. Although maybe now for some of you, after these last couple weeks of being in quarantine or semi-quarantine, maybe you are starting to get that feeling of what that means. Several, several people have sent me videos um, that were kind of lighthearted, you know, of, of, of pastors dancing down the aisle and the whole congregation dancing down the aisle. And they're like, hey, I bet that's how you're going to feel the day that we can all meet together. And that's true. Uh, I look forward to the day that we're able to, as a nation and as a community, get past this and get back together. Uh, I'm excited about that day. And, and, you know, I hope you will appreciate it all the more. Frankly, I hope you don't like this live stream business too much. Okay, I'm thankful, very thankful for our, we got some guys working hard to make this thing work for us. And uh, I'm so thankful for this technology that you can be at home right now and still hear God's word and still worship together in this way and we can all be connected by live streaming a service but when when we can come back in here I hope you will never lay in bed when you don't really need to right I hope you will the, the church as we saw last week is the assembly the, the the point is to be together right so I look forward to that freedom from quarantine in Romans 7 you 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 may remember from a couple months ago um, we, we looked at Paul in a sense, 
as a Christian, uh, trying to achieve God's righteousness by pulling himself up by his bootstraps, by, by looking in the mirror. And you remember that the word I was used over and over and over. It was this idea of, of just kind of going down the, you know, going down the, the tube here, just spiraling down in introspection, trying to, to crucify sin in his own strength. And so it, it culminated in verse 24 where he said, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And we just had this idea of, of bondage. That even the Christian, I've been there, you've been there, where we've, we've fallen into that trap, just trying to root out sin in our own strength and we can't do it, right? And, and so maybe even today, you're feeling there. Maybe you're in Romans 7, feeling trapped in your sin. Well, it's time to come to Romans 8. It's time to look up and, and to see Jesus, see God the Father, to see the Holy Spirit, to be filled by him and to be free. Freedom. Free, free, forever. We're free from our bondage to sin and we're free from the penalty of sin. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Just as Romans 7, we see the word in the last half of Romans 7, I, repeated over and over. In Romans 8, we see the word spirit repeated over and over. In fact, there are over 20, uh, there are 20 references in Romans chapter 8 to the Holy Spirit working in our spirit. So Christian, if you have felt the condemnation of sin on you lately... Remember whose you are and who lives inside of you. Paul calls him the spirit of life here. What a, what a refreshing name Paul gives the Holy Spirit in verse 2. For the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life, the principle of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the principle of sin and death. I'm going to talk to you for a moment about spirit. Um, the, the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word ruach, which can be translated breath, breath of life, or soul, or even neck. Isn't that interesting? We tend to think of people's life these days as their brain. In the past, medical doctors looked at life as being the heart, right? So death was the cessation of the heart. Nowadays, it's more brain waves. Um, but back in the day, it was breath, the ability to breathe, okay? Um, spirit. So who is the real you? Is it just your flesh? Or is it your soul, your spirit? We see in verse 1 through 11 of Romans 8, um, in these 11 verses, spirit, usually referring to the Holy Spirit in our spirits, right? Indwelling our spirits. Um, you, it's used 11 times, so it's an average of one per verse. So who's the real you? And this is important as we go about life, our perspective on things, right? Um, I think Yoda got it right when he, when he said, luminescent beings we are, something like that. Um, old Star Wars reference, right? It's not this, just this flesh. You know, when we struggle with the sin of lust, let's just be honest for a minute, so... Dude, you're driving down the road and you see a 
you see a, a good-looking woman jogging by and your, your, your eyes are just, you know, boom. You got to make that, that decision. Uh, you're going to bounce or, you know, are you going to follow that train? And what's going on here? Are you, are you lusting after that woman's soul? No, you're denigrating her to just flesh, to just a body, to just an object. It's, an, a, it's a sin of objectifying a person, right? But, you know, if you stop and think about who that really is, you realize, you know, that is, that is a soul made in the image of God with a father, maybe a husband, maybe, maybe a child who needs her. Um, maybe she's my sister in Jesus. Uh, pray for her. Maybe she doesn't know Jesus. Maybe she's struggling. You start praying for her, that's a great way to battle against lust because instead of having a false view of reality of who she is, she's not just flesh, just a body. That's a, a soul. It's a spirit. That's, the, that's who she is. Ladies, you're, you don't get off, you know, when we talk about lust, we're often like, you know, hammering the dudes, right? Rightly so. But, but ladies struggle with this too. When you see a guy, a man who's not your husband, let's say, or maybe you're not married, and, and you think, man, what would it be like to be with him? Well, maybe that man has a wife who loves him and, and wishes he loved her more. Maybe he has a, a, a daughter. Pray for him, for his soul. Think about a person on a ventilator. Not hard to imagine right now. Struggling for each breath. And then they cease breathing. Well, I mean, there are doctors who write about this and have to process this because they get connected with their patient. And, and when their patient stops breathing, now they're looking at a, a body, a cadaver, a tent. They look different because the breath of life is gone. Their tent has faded, but their spirit lives on. Either in the outer darkness of hell or in eternal life with Jesus. And so the condition of your spirit or your soul matters far much greater than your physical health. And I, I hope you're jogging and you know, eating well and taking your vitamins these days and doing all you, all you can to, to keep your body healthy. I mean, God made your body and loves your body. We should love our bodies, right? That is a part of who we are. And I believe that God, when God recreates our bodies in heaven, we will recognize each other. Okay, so I am not trying to say that bodies, I'm not, being, I'm not preaching Gnosticism here, right? The idea that, that, that the body is inconsequential and all that matters is the soul. But what I'm saying is just the body is not, by itself, is not the totality or even the majority of who you and I are. So Romans 8.2 says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. No condemnation means forgiveness and freedom, but it also means fulfillment. That's our third point, if you're following along in, in your sermon guide this morning. Fulfillment, verses three through four. Fulfillment of God's righteous requirement of his moral law through Jesus Christ. God didn't just look at us in our sin and defilement and just sigh and just scrap the law and say, come on in, but don't get too close because I got to hold my nose when I'm around you. That's not what God did. No, he fulfilled 
the moral law that we were obligated to fulfill, he fulfilled it for us in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3 of Romans chapter 8. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus entered our world of brokenness. He entered our world of brokenness. Now, you might notice here the words, the likeness of sinful flesh. And I was just talking about Gnosticism. The Gnostics were a, a big um, group of philosophers in the days that the New Testament was written and in, in shortly after. In fact, some of the church councils and creeds that, we, that Billy referenced early came about trying to combat the heresy of Gnosticism that basically taught the body was um, somehow evil and the soul was ultimate reality. And so, um, and, and that, that, that brought about some really strange practices. Okay, uh, it brought about asceticism, but also uh, hedonism in certain circles. Okay, some very strange practices. And it brought, about some, um, it brought about some heresy in terms of an understanding of Christ and who he is. And so some Gnostics believe that, that Jesus never really fully became man, but was more like a phantom. Okay, so, and there were docetists that believed that. So is this somehow teaching that the body is evil and the soul is good? By saying, Jesus coming in the lightness of sinful flesh. Well, um, let me just read uh, what one um, uh, theologian, commentator, pastor wrote about this. He, uh, he said that since our flesh was inadequate, God sent Christ in the lightness of sinful flesh. Paul was very careful about his words here. He did not say Christ came in sinful flesh because that would imply sin was in him. Nor did he say lightness of flesh because that might imply Christ only seemed to be in the flesh. He said the lightness of sinful flesh because Christ took on man's flesh without becoming a sinner. Christ became a sin offering as he took our sin without sinning. Thus his flesh remained strong and unfallen. As a result... He condemned sin in the flesh. That is, he conquered sin. And that's why I call Jesus our Savior and our Lord and our hero. I think that hero element is really important. We, he's the model to follow after in battling sin. Now verse 4 says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, God saved us for a purpose. He saved us for a purpose, that we should walk according to His Spirit. Now before we get into uh, the application section of this message, which is kind of our uh, very long conclusion, okay, uh, I just want to note the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity that we see in this text. Okay? This text talks about God the Father who no longer condemns us. Okay? Uh, and how verse 3, God the Father did what the law weakened in the flesh couldn't do by sending Christ the Son. 
to die for us. And then it talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life set us free. And we Christians don't walk in our own strength according to the flesh. But we walk by the spirit. And we're going to look more in depth as as Paul unpacks that next week. As we on Easter Sunday... And by the way, um, I hope you'll read through, keep reading this week. Read verse 5 through 11 and you'll see the resurrection right here in our text. And this is something that God ordained that we would land on this text this next Sunday morning. It's all about the resurrection and about the Holy Spirit, therefore, indwelling us. That we may walk in newness of life according to the Spirit. So like we sang this morning... I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. And so I look forward to celebrating with you next week. You know, it is sad that we can't all physically come together next week. Um, However, that in no means diminishes what we really celebrate In fact, I I hope that you will think about the resurrection more than you normally do. Maybe with fewer distractions. Think about the resurrection and prepare to come and to worship our risen Savior next Lord's Day, next Easter Sunday, and to think about what that means for your soul. So God has saved us for a purpose that we should walk according to his spirit. So practically, what does that look like? How should we then live? This is the part of the message that I usually call landing the plane. Just be advised that we have a a, a long approach here, okay? Um, It means four things, and and, and even more applications you could come up with, I'm sure. Maybe you should talk about that. We're not going to have a a time this morning because we're going to have communion together. We're not going to have a time in the live stream where we uh, get together and and, and talk, but I want you to, maybe as a family over lunch... um, uh, or maybe, maybe you're by yourself right now. Maybe you should call a friend today and discuss the application of this sermon. And I want you to see if you can come up with more than the four points I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make for you. Okay? But what does this mean for you today? What does no condemnation mean right now in your life this week? Well, first of all, it means no fear in death. And that changes everything in terms of our attitude. And how we deal with a pandemic. No fear in death. Now that doesn't mean no love for others. Because we are all tied together. We are all in this together. There is no such thing as, well, I'm not afraid of getting sick. Because it's not just about you. If you get it, statistically you're going to pass it to 2.4 people. So the best way you love others right now, as, as, as much as this goes against my nature, because I want to be the hero and I want to get out there and like, you know, uh, fix something or heal somebody, but I'm not a doctor. So the best way I can, the best thing I can do is keep a distance from other people right now. And that's the best thing you can do too, unless you're a doctor. And if you're a doctor or a nurse or a medical provider, we are praying for you. Uh, we can help serve our medical providers and we should be doing that. We can help serve those who, who may be sick by bringing groceries or prescriptions to their door, not inside their house, but to their doorstep, Right. And, and pray for them. But what we really need to do, brothers and sisters, right now, as we socially distance and love people by doing that, is we need to not walk around in fear. We need people to see confidence and even joy 
because we truly do not fear death. One day, every one of us will face death. God knows that exact moment. Christians should be ready for it every day without fear because for us to live as Christ and to die is gain. So now is a good time for us to believe what we, really, what we believe, right? Um, now is the time for us to live what we say we believe. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry, that of a baby, to final breath, maybe on a ventilator, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. And boy, do we see that as we work through Romans 8. I hope in these next weeks um, that you'll read Romans 8 over and over and over and over to where you've got it practically memorized, okay? And when we get to the end of Romans 8, that's what we see. Nothing can separate us from his love if you are in Christ. Not even your own sin. If you're in Christ. So being in Christ, no condemnation means no fear of death. No fear of death. It means, two, walking daily in joy and peace with God. No condemnation says that because of Christ, God doesn't condemn me. And so I I walk with joy. So in the morning, I hope, maybe before you pick up your phone and look at the latest stats or the latest news report, um, and I'm preaching to myself here because that's a temptation for me too, okay? But get up and look up. You might have a little more time right now. Well, I hope you're investing that in your time with Jesus, in devotions. Get up in the morning and spend more time with God, having your devotions, sitting next to Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to get out in nature and just look up at the beautiful trees right now and worship him. Be reminded of who he is and be thankful for his grace. Peace with God. Talk with God. You have that access because there is no condemnation. Number three, grace towards others. How should we then live? We need to be people of grace right now. Okay? We have no condemnation from God, so let's not condemn one another. Let's be people of grace, especially with those who are close to us during this pandemic. You might be spending more time with family members, brothers and sisters. You may be spending more time in the home with each other right now, and it's easy to be ungracious. But I want to talk to a slightly different issue than maybe you thought I was going just now. Um, It is easy to become critical of others when we are stressed. I think most of us right now are doing our best. I mean, I I think that in our community and even in our country, not everybody, there are some knuckleheads, okay, that are frankly um, causing this pandemic to get worse and um, responsible um, for death because they're being selfish. But the most, most of us, I think, are really trying to do our best. And it looks a little different between families and and, and, and between localities, okay? So, but it's easy when we're stressed to start blame blame shifting. And we see see this in the media. 
Um, you know, our, our governors get it, no matter what they do, the president gets it. But you know what? We can quickly start criticizing each other. And let me just paint how this looks, okay? Uh, you might have somebody who, in trying to be responsible, and we do have folks in our church, um, they're not leaving their house at all. I mean, they are holed up in their home. They've ordered food. Um, and, and it's not just because they're afraid of getting sick. They, they don't want to potentially spread this to someone else. They understand that research now shows that this virus can be spread when you're not symptomatic. You don't, may not know you have it and be able to shed it and spread it. And that's now a, the CDC now says that, okay? Um, people wondered about that in the past. Um, we didn't really hear that's how it worked. Now the CDC is saying, actually now research shows that. You need to be more careful, folks. That's why it's essential to stay six feet apart. And in, you know, they're, they're no longer saying, please don't wear masks. They're actually now changing their tune on that one as well, okay? Um, so you may have somebody who has been staying inside and, and, and so um, maybe you haven't had that same posture, okay, at, at that same level. And it'd be easy to point at that person and say, fearful. And that's a criticism. That's a condemnation, actually. When perhaps they were truly, now it's possible they were struggling with fear, but it's also very possible that they were walking in love, Right? And, and, and because maybe to justify, maybe you know you've been a little too liberal. In other words, maybe not quite loving enough, because that's what it really means now. We Americans really struggle with restrictions. Uh, it, it's hard for us. I, I think that's why right now it's hitting us harder than anywhere else on earth, and most likely will. Uh, because we, we move around a lot, we travel a lot, but we, we don't like restrictions. All right? So it'd be easy for, if that's you, to point at people who are being more careful than you and say fearful. That's condemnation. But also, let's say you're the person who's at home and you're, you know, you're not going out and then you see other people out jogging or smiling or talking to their neighbors and they're getting maybe a little closer than six feet. And you might be like, but I'm trying, I'm doing all this to deny myself and they're not. And it'd be easy for you to just automatically judge them as being unloving. Well, there may be a time when what's the right thing to do for someone briefly is to go a little closer to somebody, right? We got to be very careful to be very, very gracious, realizing that everyone's context is a little bit different. And this can happen even in a family as, as we're trying to navigate different waters. In, in, a, in a marriage, as suddenly we're having to change our cultural norms very, very quickly, very, very quickly, it's easy to start condemning each other. So I'm not in any way saying ignore the rules. I'm saying I believe you need to listen to what the president is saying, our governor is saying, the sheriff is saying, Surgeon General is saying, every, every, everyone who knows is saying, listen, this, these next couple of weeks, social distancing is the difference between life and death for hundreds of thousands of people. Please, please do it, okay? I'm not saying ignore them. Um, in fact, Romans 7, I'm sorry, Romans, Romans 13 tells us that we must submit to our authorities. So we Christians should be leading the way in this. But please be gracious towards one another. I mean, there, there's, you know, when, when you have an emergency like this, you can get direct, this directive and that directive, and they seem, you know, they don't quite, you're not quite sure how to interpret them. So be gracious, just be gracious with one another. And the only way to really do that is to, Wash yourself with the word. Be in Romans 8. Um, walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. 
okay? Um, so no condemnation means no fear of death. It means walking with peace and peace with God. It means walking in grace for others. And it means also, and I would say most importantly right now, being all about the gospel. All about the gospel. Now is the time for us to think about the importance of sharing and holding high the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, church, um, check your Facebook page daily this week. Um, we will be trying to communicate with you more. Um, uh, particularly look to be hearing from our evangelism team and our missions team some ways that even in your home this week you can be involved in the gospel spread around the world and, and even here in our community. Specifically, uh, our missionaries really need us to lean in on them and, and really pray for them and communicate with them because they're also going through a really hard time. And some of them are trapped in places where they cannot leave if things get really bad, okay? Uh, we need to really be praying for them right now. Life groups, now is a good time for you to lean in. Maybe you haven't spoken or uh, FaceTimed or maybe you've just been so zeroed in on this situation that you've kind of forgotten. Um, now's a great time to use some of this time you have to communicate with your missionary that you're assigned to. They need you to hold those ropes, okay? Um, and our EV team is going to be sharing some ways that we can um, better minister to our community, um, specifically um, with our county health department and our medical providers. So be paying attention to ways that you might be able to help support them and uh, one another in practical ways during this time. But I hope and pray that you'll be talking with your neighbors, uh, that you won't be um, so distanced that you won't be communicating with them. Please do reach out, talk, show love, um, share with your neighbors during this time. First Peter 3, 4 through 5 says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Well, now is the time for us to have that hope and to share that hope. Share how Jesus rescued you from a pandemic that is truly worse than the coronavirus. As one writer put it, share that your hope is not found in remaining healthy this side of heaven. Did you catch that? Share that your ultimate hope is not found in remaining healthy this side of heaven. I hope you will. <laughs> um, I, I pray that the Lord will allow us as a church to escape um, from this uh, pandemic and, and for there to be no more positive cases in our body. But that's not where our hope has got to be. What a, what a tragedy. If you escaped this pandemic, lived a long life, and died apart from true faith in Jesus. What, what a tragedy that would be. I want to move us into a time of prayer. And uh, we're going to prepare our hearts during that time of prayer for communion. Um, but as I do, I, I just want to close with Spurgeon. And I, I shared this with you on the very first Sunday after we found out that our sister had the coronavirus. Um, Spurgeon shared this in 1866 amidst a cholera outbreak. Um, and this was a charge that he gave to not only pastors, but to 
all Christians. He said, now again is the minister's time. And now is the time for all of you who love souls. Boy, and I hope you love souls. You may see men more alarmed than they are already. And if they should be, mind that you avail yourselves of the opportunity of doing them good. You have the balm of Gilead when their wounds smart poured in. You know of him who died to save. Tell them of him. Lift high the cross before their eyes. Tell them that God became man, that man might be lifted to God. Tell them of Calvary and its groans and cries and sweat of blood. Tell them of Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners. Tell them that there is life for a look at the crucified one. Tell them that he is able to save to the uttermost all them that come unto God by him. Tell them that he is able to save even at the 11th hour and to say to the dying thief, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It's our time, brothers and sisters, to be the church. It's our time to not be afraid, to walk in peace with God. It's our time to be gracious with one another. And it is our time to be bold with the gospel. Please pray with me. Lord God, we need your help during these days to believe what we believe. Thank you that we don't have to fear death. Thank you that you have promised us no condemnation through Christ. So Lord, I pray that daily we would use this time well to walk with you, to be gracious with one another, and to share Christ with those around us. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts for time of communion, if there be any unconfessed sin in our hearts, Lord, I pray that right now your spirit, as we, as we sing this song, Lord, I pray that your spirit would um, remind us of, of what we have to confess, that we would just confess it to you, and that we would believe that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and that we could uh, enjoy this time with you. I pray in Jesus' name.